0: Have you ever been looking forward to something? You're so excited. I, I remember my, my things were, I used to love sport when I was a kid. I still do. Like, um, you know, if Carlton's playing, I watch the game till the very end. And even if when they're losing by a lot, sort of hoping that they'd get up. And they didn't. But this year, it's been awesome. So far, so good. The Blues are back in town. Uh, but I remember going to a basketball game once with Dad. And it was like... Uh, This American ship had come into town, and they played at the old Daly Street courts. So probably no one knows where they are, but they were on Daly Street, of all things. Um, And they were old bitumen courts, and it was was just a a place where they'd always play the the men's basketball league, the women's basketball league, whatever basketball league I played there for a bit as a kid. But I just remember being so excited. My heart was just so filled with joy, and I just could not wait for the day. And it's like... I don't know if you've ever been like that where you're just that excited but it's really hard when you're a kid because you don't want to be too excited. Sometimes you're trying to hold it back and and then other times just get very excited but you're always needing it at the toilet because you're so nervous with everything coming up and and then the day came we got there and it was just amazing. It was like this is what I've been waiting for but there's other times when you've been waiting for something and it doesn't happen or doesn't happen straight away. Have you ever had that? You know, you're sort of like waiting for something and you're thinking, yeah, this is the day it's going to happen and then it all comes, like that surprise party. It, it never happened, like surely, on my birthday. There was going to be a surprise party. There wasn't, no. there. I actually had one here at church a couple of years ago, which was really fun, and I had no idea. How could all these people know and not me? <laughs> it was really good. But when, when it doesn't come, it's sort of like this hope-deferred thing that the Bible talks about, that, that when hope's deferred, your heart becomes sick. You sort of become like when is this going to happen and you know as Christians there's one thing that we're really looking forward to isn't there that we want to happen Jesus return now when Jesus comes back it's going to be amazing when he comes back to take his saints with him and you know we'll be forever with the Lord it's going to be an amazing day but you know what over the years we've seen time pass and Jesus's return has been predicted a lot of times a lot of times in fact the the uh, Seventh-day Adventist movement came out of that originally too because there was a prediction that didn't happen but then somehow uh, things, things worked out that they decided they'll start something else. But it's interesting that we look for these things but when it doesn't happen we can be, be very, very upset. And you'll find people will predict when Jesus is coming back all the time, right? Have you ever had that? And I mean, throughout my whole Christian life Jesus is coming back soon. And it's actually true, he is coming back soon. But there seems to be sometimes this heightened anticipation because we we look at events around us and we're like, oh, no, it's got to be tomorrow, Jesus is coming back tomorrow. It's definitely happening tomorrow. And and people are expecting it. Like I I know a pastor um, that used to be my pastor once upon a time and he was telling me when he was young how they all went into this uh, room, this upper room in the middle of this little country town because they were sure Jesus was coming back that day. And they're waiting. And luckily, they didn't wait there forever, but he didn't come back. And I thought, like, what? But, but everyone said it. And, and the thing is that we look around today and we're sort of in the same spot, right, as everyone else. We're like, oh, Jesus has got to be coming back soon. That's um, yeah, true. There's signs about it. But for us as Christians, how are we meant to live our life? I wanted to look at, at what actually Jesus said about it. Over the next few weeks um, and today's message was meant to be Matts but unfortunately he's sick so I've um, done the best I can with what I got and we'll see how we go um, I've been pondering on it obviously for a very long time looking at the teaching and what's Jesus saying and what we're going to look at is what's called the Olivet discourse all right so what does Olivet discourse mean? Um, basically Jesus was saying this on the mountain. Mount of Olives, all right? So Olivet, this course, talking about stuff. And this, these two chapters that we're looking at are, are the second longest sermon Jesus gave that's actually recorded. Um, we don't know for sure what was the longest, but there's two really, really famous ones. One is this one, which we don't really look at very often. And the other one is the Sermon on the Mount, which is obviously an amazing... message that Jesus gave about how we should live our lives as Christians and it's so challenging in what it says but this one here is about when Jesus returns because the disciples wanted to know Jesus when are you coming back what's it going to look like and no doubt us today we're sort of thinking the same thing aren't we you know I mean I, I would say from conversation that I've had with people it's definitely on the agenda you know when's Jesus coming back but it's very easy to be misled. And, and so this morning, what I wanted to do was go through uh, probably the start of chapter 24. Um, and we don't want to ignore these details that Jesus gave. Because they can actually give us a whole lot of peace in what we would see as troubled, troubled times. And it's interesting because sometimes we turn off from this sort of stuff, right? The end of the world stuff. Why? Because there's people that are experts, that know everything, They've got their charts, their timelines, everything like that, and you know when this is going to happen, that's going to happen, and, and, and so it's very specific, but it's almost like the people that look at, you know, the, uh, when you buy something on the back, there's all the ingredients and calories and stuff like that, and, and you get some people that just read it, and they study it almost. What's in this? And then others are like, I don't really care what's in it, and then there's others that would love to know, but sometimes when you get an expert... And uh, I'll use my daughter for an example. At one stage in her life, she was going through this time where she was looking at every calorie and everything that's bad and good for you and and she'd come out with all this stuff and in the end we were just like, I just don't want to listen. Please don't tell me. I don't want to know actually. (laughs) Anyone had a friend like that? (laughs) But sometimes it's like that and we get a bit overwhelmed. So we're like, oh, well, I don't really need to know about that or worry about it. Um, You know, and that's... All right, we've got to live for Jesus, but then we can get also obsessed in something as Christians. And it doesn't matter what subject it is, we can actually focus on it so much, we actually lose the joy of living a Christian life and the joy of bringing people to Christ and the joy of our salvation, and we can miss out altogether. And so what we're going to be looking at today is the three major truths that are in this this passage. Um, So I think I've got them up there. Don't misplace your hope. That's the first one, don't be misled. And then the last one is what, you, what should you do, which we aren't actually going to look at today. Um, we'll sort of touch a little bit on don't be misled because actually throughout the whole chapter, there's lots of different times, even in the things we're not going to read today, where it's like, don't be misled, uh, don't be deceived, don't be fooled. And, you know, for people that are looking out for something, you can actually be fooled very easily, can't you? Because you're actually waiting for something and, and you're so wanting it that you will jump at anything. It's like, well, this guy said, this person said, and so we jump on it as though that's actually the truth. Now, it may be the truth sometimes, but there's a warning in this passage that says, don't, miss, don't be misled. So, let's start reading, hey? Matthew 24. Verse 1 and 2. So we see the disciples and Jesus were in the temple and they were leaving. As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed to him the various temple buildings. But he responded, do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth, they will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of one another. Here's our first truth, guys. Put your trust in Jesus. Jesus. The things of this world can change. They're temporary, they're not permanent, but the things of God are eternal. And that temple that Jesus was talking about was absolutely beautiful. They reckon that the marble there was almost like just looking at shiny snow. It was just so beautifully white. And the rocks could be up to five hundred tons. That's something pretty amazing to think that Jesus was saying I'm telling you the truth this temple will be completely demolished and it actually was in 70 AD by the Romans in fact not one stone was left from this amazing building and this is the first thing that we need to to understand when we're thinking about when will Jesus come back the first thing we need to do is always say yeah my hope is in him. My hope's not in the building that I'm in. My hope's not in people. My hope's not in, in the worldly things. But my hope is in Christ. And that's where we stand as Christians, isn't it? That Jesus said he's coming back. Our hope is in him. He is the one who saves us. He is the one who sets us free. And, and um, then the G- Jesus sat down with the disciples in verse 3. It says, later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, when will all this happen? What sign will signal the return and the end of the world? The disciples probably thought they were asking one question right here, but they're actually asking two things, and Jesus is going to address both of them. They might have thought that they're exactly the same thing. What's the sign, and when will it come? So what are the signs of you coming back, Jesus? And when's it going to be? And they're questions that we as Christians would like to know, the answer to, wouldn't we? Well, Jesus started to talk about it right here. And the first thing he said is this, don't be misled. In verse 4 it says, Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you. That's the danger that we can have sometimes, is that we'll be misled, we'll walk away from Jesus, we'll start to follow people, we'll start to follow the news, we'll start to follow the signs, and we'll be looking for the signs so much that we will make a decision that, oh, this is the end. It's really good for us to know that there's going to be all these signs, because what it shows us as we go through them is that we need Jesus, Because of the way the world will go, because of the way the pressure on the church will come and has come, and the things that happen inside the church that are actually catastrophic, that that are not good things, it it draws us to Jesus Christ, because what we're looking at is we need out of here, right? Isn't that really what you're saying when you want Jesus to come back? That's what I say, that's what my wife says. It's not really so much about... um, well it is about being with the Lord but but mixed in with that there's a lot of this I just hate this place I hate the pain I hate the sin I hate what's going on this world sucks basically it's like I just want out of here I feel sorry for my kids have you ever heard anyone say that I don't even know if I'd want to bring kids into this world it's that bad But but these things, these signs are showing us something that yes, Jesus is coming back. Why? What, what, what is the sign actually saying? It's saying Jesus got a better plan. The world as, as it is, is not the way God wants it to be. And it sort of gives us this hunger to escape what is here right now. And when we read through these signs, you'll go, oh yeah, I get it. Don't be misled. So let's read through some of them. The first ones. Verse 5 to 8, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah, they will deceive many, you will hear of wars and threats of wars but don't panic, yes these things must take place but the end won't follow immediately, nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom, there will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world but all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. So firstly, the signs of Jesus coming. What's he given us here? These are basically signs that are out in the world that we cannot control. Things that just happen. And no doubt, you've heard of all these things. And that's what's made you think, is Jesus coming back? What have we got there? People claiming I'm the Messiah. Well, that's happened over time. Um, Have you ever heard of wars? What about threats of wars? Don't panic. These things have to happen. Nation going to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. What about famines and earthquakes? What about pandemics? These things are signs that Jesus is coming back. But our job is to always not look at those signs and think, that's it, that's the time, because as we go through, you will, you will notice that these things have been happening for a long time, that, that there's always been these things around. From the time Jesus died till now, has there been wars? I think there's a big one called World War I and another big one called World War II. Has there been disease? Has there been news that nation's rising against nation? And yes, it seems to be that there's an increase in those things, but Jesus is saying, these are just signs, don't panic. Don't think that the fulfillment is tomorrow just because you see that. Then let's go, go, go again See what go and see what happens to the church. Then you'll be arrested, persecuted and killed. You'll be hated all over the world because you're my followers and many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Has this happened in the world? Absolutely, 100%. Again, this is a sign that Jesus is coming. Why? Because he wants to redeem the world. But you can get it very wrong in these areas. When you start to go, you know, well, this war, so therefore Jesus is coming tomorrow. This natural disaster, therefore Jesus is coming tomorrow. Oh, no, everyone's being persecuted, so Jesus is coming tomorrow. And hidden in that one there too, it's even worse than that. There's betrayal that happens in the church. You will be betrayed. Let's keep going. Verse 12 to 14. Sin will be rampant everywhere. The love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. The end is certain. And in this we also see that the love of many is going to grow cold. Have you seen that in churches? Have you seen it where people that used to love Jesus don't love him so much anymore? People who worshipped with all their heart don't worship anymore. People who prayed don't pray anymore. And even out in the world, the love of many growing cold or waxing cold. I do love that picture of the wax growing cold. But amongst this is this amazingly wonderful news that Jesus gives and he says this, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all the nations will hear it and then the end will come. We're not going to be talking about that part of the the book today beyond those chapters, but I want you to consider something how has your heart reacted to the news that's in the world and i think alison in one of her communions recently just talked about you know the end and the end times and things happening and and one of the things she said was this that when all these things happen she didn't say exactly like this but the tendency is that we build a bunker when jesus is saying build a bigger table the opportunity there for you as a Christian to continue to preach that good news to the world is there and and when you look around at the signs it can be very very tempting that you just withdraw into your shell right you're like well you know Jesus coming back tomorrow let me concentrate on that let me firmly fix my mind on that and not only that fear begins to rise up in you doesn't it and there's so many of these things we cannot change Can you change what's happening in the world political system right now? I mean, we're called to pray for leaders, yes. But where does your mind go? Are you fixed on those things and always looking for the next conspiracy or the next power grab or the next war or the next disease or the next famine or whatever it might be to say, well, you know what? i'm just focusing on that and i'm going to let fear rise up within me but as christians guess what should be rising with you instead i hope and what did jesus tell us not to do don't worry about it these things have got to happen where's your focus again it goes back to that first thing where are you actually putting your hope are you putting your hope in this world system which is bound to fail that's where it's headed. Are you putting your hope in people that, that would come up and say, I know when the end's going to be. This is how it's going to happen. Just follow after me. And, and all they ever preach and think about is the end times. And, and it's great to know those things absolutely, 100%. Spurgeon said once that he'd read so many books on the end times and revelation. And he said, the thing I realized at the end of it is I shouldn't have read any of them. He said there was a thousand opinions and a thousand ways it's going to happen. And, and as we read further on next week, one of the things Jesus says is, hey, I don't even know when I'm coming back. The Father knows. You'll see these signs, you'll see things happen. There's, there's certainly going to be a time and, and as we look at what Jesus is talking about when he talks about the destruction of the temple and something being set up in there to be worshipped, the abomination of desolation. That There are times and there are signs, but what are you doing with it? How do you live your life now as a Christian because of all these events? Are you withdrawing in? But I love what Jesus said there at the end. He said, don't worry about it. That was the first thing. But then he said the gospel this good news of the kingdom is going to be preached through all the world and then the end will come so what god is saying is i have a plan for this world and the plan is that every single person on this earth has the opportunity to be saved before i come back in fact there's another verse in the bible that says the only reason like when people were going uh, obviously this was a, a problem back then just thinking that jesus said he's coming back and the church has been formed and the church was getting a bit anxious well when's jesus coming back Paul wrote to him, and said, hey, don't worry about it. The only reason that Jesus hasn't come back is this, that there's opportunity for someone to be saved. That's the only reason that he's delaying coming back. And so there's things we can do to, to maybe speed up the coming of Jesus. And it isn't hiding. It's not trying to change all the world events. So they suit us. It's getting the gospel out there. Wouldn't you agree? That's our job. The good news is, guys, this is the signs. We can use that for our advantage and say, what do you think of the world? Look how it is. Let me tell you something. That's not how God wants it to be. It's not how he created it in the beginning. And it's not how he's going to fulfill it all in the end when Jesus comes back to rule and reign. It's pretty exciting. And I just wanted to put up something to just sort of stir our hearts to help us reflect that actually Spurgeon wrote as well uh, before we go. Because I feel that if the gospel's going to be preached, what sort of church does Jesus need? He needs a church that's sold out for him 100%. If the heart grows cold, everything will be coldly done. When love declines, what cold preaching we have. All moonlight light without heat polished like marble and as chill. What cold singing we get. Pretty music made by pipes and wind. But oh, how little soul's song. How little singing in the Holy Ghost, making melody in the heart unto God. And what poor praying. Do you call it praying? What little giving. When the heart is cold, the hands can find nothing in the purse. And Christ's church and Christ's poor, and the heathen may perish, for we must needs to hoard up for ourselves and live to grow rich. Is there anything that goes on as it ought to go when love waxes cold? It's a good question for us to consider, isn't it? You know, as Christians, and we talked about it at the start of the year, and I honestly believe that's what God wants us to do, is that turning back, turning back. Don't grow cold. Don't be overwhelmed by the world. Instead, see it as the signs of Jesus coming, that we know that he's coming back. Jesus is saying, I am coming back. There's signs. But as a Christian, engage with that last part of the mission that Jesus gave there, that the gospel will be preached throughout the world to the ends of the earth. And then the end will come. That's when the good stuff starts. <laughs> but do you think about that yourself this morning as a church? How do we go? Because we've got the outside things, the world, the, the can you stop the earthquake that's happening tomorrow? Probably not, unless you're Superman or something. Are you hiding? <laughs> Are you busy tomorrow? <laughs> Superman over there. <laughs> You can't do that, can you? Can you stop the persecution of the church? You can try. You can stand up for those that are being persecuted. You can say what you want. But it seems to me that the more we live this life, the less like the world the church should be, which means that we will get persecuted for what we believe, for what we say, and even for what we think. But this thing here, we can change. Where it says the love of many will will, uh, go cold, we can be the ones who bring that change into our Christian walk, can't we? We can press into God with a renewed fervour and a renewed heart to see his kingdom established on this earth and to see his will done in people's lives and to change things. So that when we come together as um, as Spurgeon's writing here, he's like, as you're worshiping God, where is your head? You know, um, <laughs> I love you, Lord. Is that I love you, Lord? Yeah. Or is it I love you, Lord? Is there a passion in your worship when you sing the songs on the screen? I was probably because I was reminded again from what I've been studying, and I was thinking, man, yeah, these songs are great. If I actually Do this with all my heart. Let the distraction go and worship God with all my heart that it's on fire, you know? What about my prayers? Am I praying prayers of faith? Or am I like this Mr. Average Joe, bless mum, dad, the dog and cat and go to sleep? Or do I have actually a heart that burns in prayer for people? Have I let my heart grow so cold that I really don't care anymore about anything or anyone because the love of God has somehow been drained from my soul? When I give, do I do the same thing? Am I am I giving with that? And you know, when, when Spurgeon writes there basically you call that prayer, you know, it's like, whoa. And as we go through the what should we do thing is be ready. And we'll be talking to that in much more detail later. But be ready. And it says in that passage there that he who endures to the end will be saved. Does that mean that I'm not saved if I fall away a bit from Jesus? And no, I was saying, you guys got to realize that this is a marathon. If you're truly saved, you will press in anyway. You will be that one that endures to the end because you can see all these things and that's what wears you down, isn't it? The way the world is, the sin that's in the world, the. the 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 coldness in the church the whatever it might be they can easily cause us to give up hope because we're looking at those things and we're not established in that firm foundation which is Jesus Christ but we're looking at the outward things and the things of this world to give us courage and strength and it just doesn't it is those who push into Christ. We become white hot for him that will find the courage and strength which is why they endure to the end because they haven't based their faith in the temple like the disciples. Something that was there, it looked beautiful and no doubt they were trying to impress Jesus. Look at this beautiful temple Jesus. And he's like, (laughs) the temple is going to be destroyed. You watch and see. Let's look for him. Let's look for his return. Let's be those ones where, just at the end of that passage we read, where we're spreading the good news wherever we are. That, yep, look at those signs. That shows you that we need Jesus and he is coming back again. Father, I just want to thank you for your goodness. Lord, I pray as we look at these chapters that our hearts will be touched by you, Father God that we would be those fervent christians father god in every area of our life but lord also i want to pray for anyone who's scared or fearful today that they would lose that fear because they're putting their trust in you i just thank you for it now in jesus name amen now it may also be that you have never put your trust in jesus ever you're not even a christian you came here this morning and you're like, just came to church for whatever reason it is. But right now you're going, I need Jesus. I look at the world around me and I'm like, I need Jesus. I'm gonna pray a prayer right now that you can pray with me. And and it's very simple, it's asking Jesus into your life. Jesus died for you, he died for your sin on the cross, and all he's waiting for is for you to say, I'm sorry forgive me. He paid the price for you. You don't have to pay it anymore. And you come to him and you will now belong to him and your life can change. And then you can put your hope in the wonderful Savior Jesus Christ instead of the world around you. Because one thing is true, I know for sure, that he never changes. And Jesus is the only way to salvation. So let's pray. If that's you this morning, if you want to give your life to him, you just pray with me and then after that you talk to your friend you came with or you come and see me after so I'll be up the front and you can just say hey I prayed with you up the front. when you are up the front Neil, I received Jesus. <coughs> Father I just want to say thank you that you sent Jesus to die for me. This morning I'm asking that you'll forgive me of my sin. I want to have a restored relationship with you. Come into my life today I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys.